Hello and welcome to Rednets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. Joining me today, as ever, is Steve Carson and Rick Elliott. And of course, myself, your host, Farrell Keeling. But if that wasn't enough for you, we've also got a special guest on today in the form of Liverpool writer Zubin Dava. And it feels like forever since we've been able to enjoy domestic football. So we've just been had to sort of get along by with the odd international fixture and, of course, transfer rumours, which have persisted since the summer window. Two names that have sort of stuck out amongst the, the, the group are, of course, AC Milan's Frank Kessier and Barcelona's Usman Dembele, who've been linked with Liverpool by Mundo Deportivo and Quattro, respectively. But what makes these two particular players quite interesting is that their contracts are set to expire next summer. Steve, I mean, what do you make of these two? Are these the kind of sort of deals we should be looking to pursue, given our own financial struggles? Yeah, I mean, it's always a smart move, and certainly we've got a good track record when it comes to Bosman signings, uh, Joel Matip and uh, James Milner are proof enough for that. Um, Frank Kessier particularly is a player who, um, you know, I, I enjoy watching. He's, he's became quite the midfield di- dynamo in the last few years. And if we can pick him up on a free, it'd be an absolute steal. Uh, it'd be an absolute steal at about 15, 20 million pounds, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, which, you know, I, I think potentially we could maybe try that in January. Because um, there will be a load of clubs that will be interested in Kessier come, come next summer if he doesn't renew his contract at AC Milan. And uh, Usman Dembele, it's a bit of a difficult one. Um, you know, obviously there's a quality player in there somewhere. You know, he's, uh, he's he's obviously a very talented player, but um, it's been a while since we've seen that sort of high-level performances from him. And, you know, his injury record as well is something you've got to really look at. Um, we struggle enough with injuries, um, but perhaps at Liverpool he could maybe supply some cover for the front three, uh, certainly the wingers. So there could be something there. The, the, the Dembele one doesn't make as much sense to me, but I can see why the links are there. Uh, but certainly uh, Frank Kessier would be someone I'd, uh, I'd go for. It's interesting you've sort of brought up the injury side of things because I think having lost Wijnaldum in the summer, one of the sort of prized traits of, of Gino Wilder was, of course, his durability. And it was expected that we would end up replacing you know, bringing a midfielder in addition to a new forward. When we're talking about Kessier, I mean, I've done some research on this, but he's actually quite durable himself. I think of of the 194 games he's been around uh, AC Milan, he's missed only three of them through injury, which equates to, I think, roughly less than 2% of AC Milan's total games. I think Wijnaldum famously missed less than 6% of Liverpool games. As far as durability goes, you know, it's quite impressive, isn't it, Zubin? Yes, it sure is actually when you say that. And and that was probably that will probably be one of the reasons I believe that Frank KCA or KCA would would be able to fill that, you know, genie Wijnaldum shaped hole in our midfield. But if I can, you know, be a little critical of, of what I've seen of him is uh, at least in the games that he's played in the Champions League, he hasn't been uh, you know as as good as what we probably expected him to. He uh, was not able to create that impact uh, that uh, you know the hype around him uh, you know had before we could see him you know play at that level however when i did you know dip into the statistics to understand what his actual role is one reason i would really like liverpool to to go in for a player like him is the fact that he scored i think 13 or 14 goals uh, for AC Milan last season mm. and you know goals from midfield is something that that we lack 
uh, and in, you know if if we could get a midfielder who could chip in with say 15 goals a season you know it would probably reduce the pressure on on the front three or the front four which uh, would be something which you know club can look at but you know i still need to see him play uh, at at a higher level before i am too impressed if i can if i can be too honest i mean he's only really stepped up his attacking contributions in the last season or so um like if you look further back he hasn't really contributed an awful lot and it's only just been this last season where he's really sort of taken it up a up a notch um to sort of take it back to uh dembele if that's okay um i mean we were we were talking about um like injuries and you know it's a it's a prominent thing for this this liverpool side at the at the moment unfortunately but i mean like dembele doesn't really strike me with uh, as someone who's going to keep us um like it, 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 he's going to have many injuries i mean like it, it reminds me an awful lot of the oxley chamberlain signing uh in terms of there's a player there with quality but it just it's just keeping him fit i mean like when we signed ox he'd had uh 81 games over the last 6 years um where he was out through injury so that r- roughly equates to 13.5 games per season where you can't pick him um and then for us like he picked up that crucial uh, lig- uh ligament rupture and uh and since then he's just uh, after the recovery he's been getting these like small knocks Whereas like with Dembele, I mean, he's had 65 games out due to hamstring injuries um, and 24 down to torn muscle bundles. And it's just, you know, there's these, uh, even if you brought him in, it's just keeping him fit, which is the real, uh, real struggle. Because there's no guarantee that these like kind of a similar sort of thing would happen with him where you'd just be, picking up small injuries because I, I, I feel like the reason why Ox is getting so many small knocks is because his body is kind of compensating for the, uh, the ligament rupture that he had. Uh, like sometimes like these ex players, they say like, when you, when you come back from a massive injury like that, your body is sort of automatically compensating in other ways. And then your body just sort of injures itself uh, trying to compensate, even though it's not anything like that you're intentionally doing, it's just automatic reflexes. So I, I you know, there's no guarantee that we would ever get uh, a Dembele like the one that kind of rose to prominence at, at Dortmund. Uh, plus he also has like the, the uh, attitude issues, you know, he's, he, he forced to move to Barca. Um, he was, you know, being reportedly late for training and other meetings, uh, according to goal, like, you know, around his house, they had countless fast food cartons and, you know, a, a healthy fish dish, which was prepared by one of the club chefs was just sort of like disregarded. And, uh, I think build was saying that, uh, I mean, the infamous case of him trashing Klopp's, uh, rented house, um, you know, it's just like uh, the club has a as a no like the the unofficial no knobheads rule. Um, I think that's just sort of like massive red flags everywhere. It's just that that I mean, Kessier, you might like you guys said, sound option. I think if we can pick him up, then that's a really good option for us. But Dembele, for me personally, nah, I'd I'd, I'd want to stay away from that. Yeah, I think I mean you've pointed to a myriad of reasons there as to why we. Shouldn't go for, and I think foremost among them, beyond injury, you'd probably argue character would be the biggest 
potential reason as to why we wouldn't go for a player like Dembele, despite the the obvious talent and potential that you know he has there, potentially sort of untapped. Um, speaking of injuries, of course, um, as is typical for any international break, particularly from our perspective as Liverpool writers and fans. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's been yet another window where we're and it's not just been Liverpool. We're mul- mul- a multitude of sides across the Premier League have have suffered as a result of this uh, particular window. Um, and so we've had sort of discussions about international breaks and about international fixtures in general. Um, I think Car- well, Carragher recently came out and wrote an article for the Telegraph, sort of criticising uh, Wenger's Arsene Wenger's advocation for a biannual World Cup. Um, he have, he's actually got a few comments here that I thought were quite interesting. So he, he said, and I quote, it's inexcusable that FIFA has allowed World Cup qualifiers to be scheduled at such a time, which means the clubs paying the players' salaries, in some cases around £250,000 a week, cannot reasonably use them in an important domestic match. But, and he went on to say, the threat of a suspension if these players do not accept an international call-up means the clubs have been bullied into losing their own employees. FIFA able to flex its muscle in order to enhance and promote its own tournaments, regardless of how much it impacts and undermines the domestic game. I mean, that, that's a pretty damning assessment uh, of just internationals and sort of uh, the international governing bodies themselves, isn't it, Stu? Yeah, big big time. And Jamie Carragher, like a lot of people associated with Liverpool, is very much for the club, not really for the country. Um, but I think that sentiment is shared, uh, particularly in the Premier League. <laughs> Uh, with most clubs, um, the preference should be club football. Uh, like Jamie Carragher says, that's who pays the wages. I know it's different from country to country, but uh, typically, if you get called to the national team, a lot of players don't get paid or they waive their wages, things like this. Um, yeah, of course. Um, the priority should be club football. And, you know, the, like Jamie Carragher says, the idea of um, increasing the World Cup to every two years. Is um it's, it's a bad idea. I mean, it's, it's now um is a particularly bad time really for Arsene Wenger and FIFA to be coming out and suggesting that there should be a World Cup every two years because we're already getting enough injuries as it is, and it's a World Cup every four years. Uh, and then if FIFA were to introduce a World Cup every two years, it's going to be a matter of the time before UEFA come forward and decide that the Euros are now going to be every two years because there's no way they're going to let FIFA just take that shine there. So. The, the football calendar is already busy enough. It doesn't need to be any busier. Um, I, you know, one one of the thing, uh, one of Arsene Wenger's points is that sort of the uh, less successful countries um, get more of a chance uh, to to compete on the big stage, which you know is great to see. Yeah, these players from these countries they get to represent, brilliant. But as we've seen from, I think Carragher pointed this out himself, as we've seen from the likes of San Marino. Um, it doesn't always work out particularly well, even if they're given the platform to perform it. I mean, obviously, and Fibo Courtois actually came out recently after Belgium's two on defeat in the Nations League to specifically talk about sort of the pressure on the players and how it, the the international bodies sort of care about you know their own financial gain and sort of treat footballers themselves like they're just robots. You know, the, the, the footballers are almost an afterthought. Well, they basically are at this stage. I mean, I'm just zooming. I'm just going to read you this injury list just from this international break um, alone, because uh, we've seen uh, so the likes of Chelsea, Lukaku sent home early 
uh, due to a muscle overload for Manchester United. Varane suffered a groin injury during the Nations League final. Liverpool have had Jota sent home early in addition. And that's not even beginning to discuss also uh, South American players potentially missing Premier League uh, fixtures because of how close uh, the internationals have fallen to the actual domestic return. I mean, is there a solution around this? See, one, one thing I do believe that if, if we're looking at the football calendar, I think there needs to be a cohesive look, you know, look at it. We shouldn't have the international bodies looking at it for, for themselves and the club board, you know, domestic leagues looking at it themselves. They need to, you know, sit in a room together and figure that out. If you actually look at it, and I, I was also doing, doing a little bit of thinking, uh, and uh, as, you know, Steve mentioned, you know, at the moment, the World Cup, if they do make it, you know, biannually, then then UEFA will probably, you know, say that, hey, you know what, let's do that with the Euros as well, as he mentioned. Uh, and let's not forget the UEFA have already mentioned that they're going to be changing the format of the Champions League come 2024. We're going to be having a few more teams. I think each each team will play four games more than they are uh, right now. You know, in addition to that, uh, the UEFA Nations League, you already have a UEFA, you know, national, uh, you know, continental cup in the Euros. Is there a need to have that? And if you already have the Nations League and you have the Euros and you want to work up every two years, is there a need to play the friendlies in that case? You know, so, so you know, it, it seems like, as you mentioned, the players and what the players want is not important right now because of the economic viability, you know, these bodies tend to make millions and millions through television rights and stuff like that. Uh, but one thing which uh, I did see an interview of uh, Thierry Henry uh, where he did mention that uh, the mental, you know, ability, the, the amount of, you know, other than football being physical, it's also a very mental sport for these players. And, you know, to, to enter the World Cup in a different mindset, the pressure is different, the expectation is different. One small slip and slide and, and you know, it could be over and... From those perspectives, Thierry Henry rightly mentioned that Wenger did say there has to be a mandatory 25-day break, you know, between the the World Cup and the new season that begins after. But we are forgetting the simple fact that you know players are not machines, you know, it, it and it is something that uh, you know all boards, domestic and international, need to figure out between themselves and see uh, the number of different competitions that these players are playing are insane. Uh, and they need to figure that out. And for me, having a World Cup every two years, watching as a fan, I think it, it dilutes the euphoria around it, right? Uh, I understand that, you know, uh, it is the dream of a player to, to play for his nation and to probably win the World Cup. And is it a solution if you double the number of World Cups that he could win it? Probably, probably not. And, and another thought, uh, you know, that I did have, is is the, the the stronger nations who play international football? You look at the squad depth that they have. France could probably put out two strong you know teams who could win the World Cup. Uh, you know, Spain at their time had uh, insane amount of depth uh, depth in their entire team. Uh, England themselves, I know they have a lot of good players in in each position. So when you really look at it, doubling the number of games does it really give the 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 smaller countries and the smaller teams a chance? To, to play a game or two, or does it double the number of chances for an established team to win by rotating and still playing at the same level is, is something that needs to be thought of as well, uh, which I think, uh, you know, completely from my perspective, the World Cup should stay the way it is. 
and they should probably look at reducing the the overall calendar for football players you know we have a like even in the premier league right we have the carabao cup we have, have the league cup we have the champions league the uefa conference league now the europa league the premier league it's insane so so for me i think we need to to preserve our footballers so that we can watch them play at the level uh that we enjoy them i mean i don't know about you but for me it always sort of comes back almost to a discussion about sort of grassroots football and obviously we you know we need to be listening to the players we need to be going okay we can withstand this level of sort of physical intensity of this over this period of time but then I don't know why this. We're not sort of going back, you know, to the root of the issue and going, okay, well, maybe perhaps you know the reason these these, these countries aren't getting their their chances or their or any of the limelights because we're not sort of looking at how you know the overall footballing structure. We've seen this obviously domestically here in the Premier League. You know, it, grassroots football, even beyond sort of the players as a consideration, is is just an afterthought. I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here, Rick. But oh God. is there? <laughs> Any case at all <laughs> for a biannual World Cup? After all those arguments, I can't. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one apart from it, it generates FIFA a lot more money. I mean, there's so I'm mean, a bit off track, and I, I you know, I, there's a few times I'm going to go off track here, uh, but I'll try and pull it back. Uh, th- this is coming in the same week that we found out about. Um, FIFA allegedly wants to up the uh, the license on the renewal for the, the EA Sports FIFA games. You know they, they want to charge uh, one billion for the for the trademark over four years. Uh, I think, and it's like, well, um, you know, it, it's it's that, same as Pedri's release clause. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's it's but it's it's just the fact that like it's it's just money. It's 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 all about the money, really. At the end of the day, uh, how how we can squeeze just you know like oh we've got a product here, so we need to squeeze this out. It's it's very capitalist to try and maximize as much profit out of it as possible, and they're not thinking about the players. I mean, as, as, as has been said, I mean, I think I've said it on this show before. Um, we've watched in real time as the the average lifespan of a player has sort of shrunk and over time. I mean, you look at Wayne Rooney, for example, starting his career at such a young age, and let's face it, by the end, by the time he was thirty, he was you know out of it. I mean, that last year at Man United was his sort of like he didn't really have that much gas in the tank, and yet he still sort of went on and played a few uh, a few more seasons here, there, and everywhere, but he. He was never really the same player that he used to be, and uh, you know we're seeing that with Walcott as well. You know, the younger these players are starting their careers, you know, and the more games that they're playing at a high level, they they just sort of deteriorate. So we're going to end up in a situation where players are playing more games. They're putting their bodies through so much more than they were originally. Because let's let's remember that also the game is getting a lot more uh, agile and physical and sort of you know uh, it's it's not the rough and tumble game that it used to be decades ago. It's it's a it's it's a science. It's a sports science. And so we end up in this situation where like you know we're we're, we're going to end up with. More rotation, like Zubin said, um, but for these bigger teams. But I mean, the quality isn't going to be there because, let's face it, 
you're going to have your first choice 11, but not everyone's going to want to be seeing uh, some of the, the, the B team players, but they're going to have to swap them out and rotate them in because otherwise, how are you going to survive with this many fixtures? So it, the, the quality of the football is going to degrade because we're playing players for the sake of rotation that might not be uh, as cohesive as they could have been. You end up in a situation where, you know, you just, uh, I, 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 so I'm not a big follower of esports, but and again, I, I I said I was going to take this completely off track, but like the average age of an esports player is like in their like in the teenagers, and I can see that becoming a thing in football where you know we're 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 just getting lower and lower. We're introducing these uh, these these new players. Like you look at the likes of Harvey Elliott and how how young he was starting at Fulham, breaking Premier League records and stuff like that. We're going to get more and more cases of the, the average age of a Premier League football is going to get younger and younger because, you know, we're, we're just trying to fill out as many games as possible, try and keep players fit, more rotation. And it, the, just the quality of the game, like we've, it's like we've been saying, it's just going to just decrease in general and it's just not going to be as fun for the average viewer. We all love football, but there is, a, there is too much football. And then it just and then it like depreciates the overall value of the products that they're trying to squeeze as much value out of. I mean, could we foreseeably see situation? I mean, we've seen sort of prime examples of footballers, you know, the likes of Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Mo Salah, sort of getting into uh, this category of, of just pure conditioning. You know, extending your career beyond the sort of typical point of decline. I mean, as Rick was saying, Steve. I mean, do you reckon we're going to sort of see almost a reversal to a certain degree of that? Where you know we we are sort of sort of almost going back in time uh, to a certain degree and sort of seeing players, um, well, I suppose deteriorate at a younger age, but like Rick was saying, start at a younger age to sort of almost adjust and compensate for that. Yeah, I think I think we are going to see it happening more frequently, especially if the calendar doesn't get reassessed, like Zubin was saying, where they need to get rid of some of the current fixtures because it's just the, the calendar's too busy at the minute if they increase it it's going to be even worse um rick touched on harvey elliott there that's a great example you know harvey elliott um starting as young as he does if he makes it into his 30s as a professional footballer i'll be surprised i'll be made up for him but i'll also be surprised if he makes it into his 30s at reminiscence of theo walcott and, and wayne rooney players that obviously massively deteriorated once they get 30. Um, and in terms of the squad rotation uh, in the international games, I mean, we're already seeing that. You see these World Cup qualifiers, teams very rarely put out their fair stream because they simply don't need to. The quality of football isn't there. These these um, qualifiers by the big nations get treated almost like friendlies because they simply can. You could Spain could put out their third string and beat San Marino, and you know that's just that's. I mean, that's the way it's going. And yeah, I mean. To put it simply, yeah, we don't need more. We don't need a busier football schedule. It's only going to be detrimental to the game and it'll just further line the pockets of FIFA, which is something that no one really cares about other than FIFA. Yeah. And and just to add add to that, you know, just, just talking about the number of games that players play, it was Pedri, right, from Spain, who played 72 games last season for Barcelona plus, plus the entire international circuit. I mean, that's insane. Uh, you know, that... So, I think that, like, what's the point of, of a kid 
I think he's so young. He plays those many games and then he burns out at a 24, 25. I mean, is that what we want to see happening as fans? I don't think so. No, absolutely. I think we, we certainly need to sort of protect players. I mean, it's, it's obvious. This is, I mean, it's already unsustainable. You can see that year to year in the number of injuries that are incurred from teams across the Premier League. Um, but moving on to things that are somewhat less depressing, and specifically the return of Premier League football, uh, will be facing Watford and newly appointed Claudio Ranieri uh, on Saturday. I mean, Rick, I mean, I assume you're delighted that Premier League football's back, but uh, what, what, I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, you, you're glad to see Claudio back? I mean, the Cla- Claudio is he's a... He... Is a is an obvious winner. I mean, like you know, he he, he achieved the the impossible uh, with that 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 win for Leicester, uh, Premier League win. And but the, the the problem that he has is that he needs the squad and he needs time to build it. And I don't think he has that uh, either of those at Watford. You know, I'm I'm excited to see what he could do with them, but I just don't see uh, I, I don't see it playing out the way that Watford would want it to play out. Um, I, I don't think they have the, the money to invest. I don't think they have the time to invest because it is a, for, a, for a team like that, it's a ticking clock. If they're going to get relegated sooner or later, um, it's just a case of how long can they just, you know, push off the inevitable. So yeah, I, I'm not excited for the, uh, you know, the new manager bounce that most teams use, usually get. That's that's going to come back to 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 really you know hurt us, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what what uh, what it can do. But it's it's just a case of you know, like I said, how much are they gonna, how much are the the owners going to help invest in him and the club? I, I mean, the Pozzo family are notorious uh, for being sort of very. I suppose they make a lot of snap judgments. I think it's fair to say in terms of their managerial. Sort of selections. I mean, we've seen Zisco Munoz lose his job despite uh, the Hornets only find themselves 15th in the table after achieving promotion uh, the prior year. I mean, they brought in a, probably you might argue, a, a better manager in Claudio Ranieri. I mean, Steve, what, what sort of thing do you think we're going to expect to see uh, from Ranieri? Because obviously he's, he's built up a reputation for defensive stability, a sort of rigid adherence to sort of a 4 4 2, quick counterattacks. Yeah, I think Ranieri brings that much-needed stability to Watford. Um, whether he, like Rick said, whether he gets the time is another thing. Because I mean, it's it's a dead joke at this point. But yeah, Watford changed the managers like crazy. It's nuts. Um, yeah, I, it's it's hard to get really invested in the idea of a new manager at Watford just because it is like um, rotating doors. It probably won't be long till he's gone. I mean, hopefully, you know, he's got that track record. He's a bit of an old head in the game, very respected. So yeah, I mean. Honestly, uh, Watford is a team. You know, I think they've got a, a few gems in there. Ranieri, quite a likable guy. You know, I wish them all the best, but obviously this weekend I wish them all the worst. Uh, speaking of gems, we've got, of course, um, a Liverpool-linked forward in Ismail Assar. I'm going to come to you with this, Zubin. I mean, it, what, what, what threats do we need to watch out for? You know, is Saar the main man? So, so one of the things that I believe is going to be a problem or could be a problem for us is uh, the starting 11, right? We're not sure what Klopp's going to get to be able to play with in itself. So, you know, that's going to be our first first biggest problem. Are we going to be seeing, you know, an Oxley Chamberlain start in midfield because we don't have options? Uh, you know, other than that, are we going to be able to field our, our preferred back four? 
especially against the speed of of uh, you know sar uh, so you know that's going to be our biggest threat i think he is definitely a goal threat he can play with both feet we saw what he did to us last time we played uh, against watford and, and i don't want to remember that game at all so uh, from that perspective yes i think he is definitely going to be their biggest threat but if we can put out a strong 11 and you know especially our preferred back four then i think we should be able to see this game through without uh, too much problem uh, well i've got you zuben i mean what team are you expecting klopp to put out so i'm expecting uh, you know galo to get his 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 start in in i don't think alisson will be able to get uh, you know match ready no i think they're flying in 36 hours before the game just about so will they be you know fresh enough to play the, the brazilian contingent i don't think so so i think keller should start in goal uh trends back that's a good thing klopp did mention in the match preview as well that you know there is a chance that he can start the game so i think trent uh, van dijk martip and robo should should be our back four uh if i look at it from my perspective i think we'll go with an all english midfield uh, i think curtis deserves to to retain his spot he's also you know i think the confidence that klopp has shown uh, in him he's kind of paid off so curtis hendo and probably an oxlade or a milner milner is it can play any position for us so i think milner or or ox would be one of the two there and then our front three of of uh, i think mane jota and sala from my perspective i think we, that would probably be the strongest 11 that klopp can put out uh the problem is uh, when we look at the bench i i don't see a lot of uh, impact if required from the bench and you know i think as I, as i mentioned in a couple of tweets also that i did write this is a typical banana skin right for liverpool there's a new manager against us you know uh, we have uh, you know not our preferred strongest 11 i think few years ago we would have lost this kind of a game and that still worries me you know i'm not saying that i'm not confident but you know if i have to look at the way things are panning out they're probably more stacked against us than for us would you agree with that rick i mean obviously trent and jota as zuben rightly pointed out are back in training um would you be inclined to go for an all english midfield or could we see the likes of kaita make an appearance so uh for me i <laughs> If it were me, I, I, I would. Um, I'm not sure about an all English mid, uh, midfield. I'm not even sure about a, a full, um, full strong, uh, full strength uh, defense. I mean, like, if, yes, it could be a potential banana skin game. But at the same time, if you're not going to rotate in a game like this, when are you going to rotate? Um, you know, I think we've got a chance for Kanate to. you know show what he's got um put him alongside gomez he could do with the minutes i don't think that that's a particularly weak uh center back pairing i'd like to see smirkas get uh, a little bit more game time but at the same time you're already rotating quite a lot in that defense so i would keep robertson just you know so that you've got some semblance of of you know consistency uh Kelleher obviously in in net um although if you out of uh Fabinho and and, and Allison you'd think that Allison would need less time um to to come back from an international break like that i think you know in in theory i mean i'm no i'm no 
sports scientist, but it it probably makes more sense for him to 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 play if he were going to play. But I, Kelleher obviously deserves his his shot. Uh, Henderson uh, in defensive mid. You know we've we've seen that go. You know not exactly great, but needs must. Jones, I agree. He need uh, he, he deserves his spots. But at the same time, I don't think he had a particularly good game against City. Um, he kind of felt like it was a, a step too far for him. But, you know, it's, it's Watford. The calibre of opposition is, is lower, even though they're going to have that manager, new manager boost. Um, obviously, the forwards are, uh, are going to be there. I mean, Salah, Firmino, Mane. I'd say probably Keita. Maybe. I don't... I don't Ox is... is uh, <laughs> I want to. I want Ox to have a go, but again, I think there's already too much chopping and changing in this in this side. So Kaita, if he's fit and available, yeah, throw him in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Would you agree with that, Steve? Yeah, I mean the squad is very stretched at the minute. You know, we've got a number of injuries, and obviously the missing players coming back from internationals, and even the likes of Navi Kaita, who's been very busy during the international break. There's question marks over him just purely of uh, how busy he's been during the international break, whereas Klopp has seemingly eased him into the team this season. Um, I think I'd pretty much go with what Zubin said. But like Rick said, I think if there was going to be a game where um, Ibu Kanate was going to come in, I think uh, this is probably the game that he would do so. Um, If if not in the Premier League, when? Uh, You know what I mean? So, yeah, but... As I say, I think pretty much what Zubin said, so that being Gallagher, Trent. Um, and then you can't go wrong with two centre-halves. We've got four world-class centre-halves. Pick the two that are most fit, most available. Get those two in there. Um, my gut reaction says to me that um, maybe Van Dijk and Konate could be could be the uh, the partnership there. Um, Gomez as well, like Rick said, could do with the minutes. Robbo at left-back. Um, the midfield is tricky, um, as, as, as we've all pointed out so far. But Henderson and Jones seem pretty nailed on to me. And I'd like to see a bit of creativity in the form of Keiter or Ox. But I think maybe the safety of James Milner could be relied on here. He's been quite, you know, he's had the, the rest over the last uh, couple of weeks because of the international break, but also so is Ox. Um, up front, yeah, I think the front three picks itself, don't it? You're looking at, um, you're looking at Mane, Salah, and Jota. Uh, um, obviously Jota. Uh, resuming training, which is a fantastic boost out of the game. No, it's quite a, a, a change situation to what we had um, last year with the, the centre back crisis. You know, as as you said, Steve, you know, we've got such a wealth of centre back talents now. You know, we're really fortunate that we can just sort of pluck up Canate and call him up to the the, uh, the starting eleven. Um, and looking ahead to the weekend clash, Zubin. I mean, what score line are you predicting? Well, to be very honest, I believe that. Uh, we might end up conceding. I think we're playing away, if I'm not wrong. So, you know, I think uh, if if I, I do see us conceding a goal, I think Saar will probably slip up the net. But uh, I do believe that it's going to be a hard-fought 2-1 win for, for Liverpool. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Rick, what, what are you going with? Uh, Salah to continue his goal-scoring form at Vicarage Road? <laughs> yeah, Salah's going to get one because he gets one every game pretty much. It's just, you know, I put my house on it at this point. <laughs> Uh, if I had a house, uh, um, I uh, now everyone's going to think I live in a cardboard box or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 
I, I agree that there'll probably uh, be a goal conceded. <laughs> yeah, two one, two one sounds about right. Um, I think it, it, they're all the, the, the Watford are going to be up for it. Um, you know, it's it's a, pro- a chance to to prove themselves in front of the new manager. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah, Sal will get a goal. Uh, Mo will get a goal. I think I think the Watford goal will come first. If I'm if I'm being completely honest, uh, and then that will shock us into actually you know taking it seriously. Um, yeah, and then maybe Mane gets his goal as well. Uh, I, I mean, I can't see any goals coming from midfield. Um, to, to harken back to what we were saying earlier, uh, and I can't see Firmino again on the score sheet. Hopefully, I'm wrong, but you know, I'd, yeah, two one, Mo Sadio, yeah, two two ones there. I mean, Steve, are we going to make it three? No, I'm going to go a little unoptimistic than that. Um, I'm going to say three one to Liverpool. I do feel like we are going to concede. Um, you know that there is that sort of new bounce that Watford are going to be experiencing, as the lads have pointed out. Saar is a particular threat. Um, yeah, I can see them scoring first, and it's it, we've seen it time and time again where we started we were a bit lax a days ago, and then all of a sudden we concede, kick into gear, probably at half time, and then we just come out and, and turn it on. It's what we've done in the past. I think yeah, Mo's going to get his goal. It's 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 a weekly thing at this point. Um, and I think after underperforming against Manchester City, if given a start, I think Curtis Jones is going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And I'm going to say that he's going to score a banger in the game. We've seen quite a few of these of late, I mean, these spectacular long range efforts. So I think it's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility. Um, well, I'd love to be a bit more optimistic myself. I'm afraid, Steve, I'm going to have to take the majority on this one and also go for. A 2-1, but who knows? I'll be keeping my fingers crossed uh, for a 3-1 victory. And, of course, we'll be hoping to spoil the Tinkerman's return to the Premier League. For now, though, that's all we have time for today, I'm afraid. But feel free to join us again next week where we'll be dissecting our midweek Champions League clash against Atletico Madrid. Thanks again, as ever, to Rick, Stee, and, of course, our guest, Zubin. And uh, take care for now. Dilly ding, dilly dong. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I've not been expecting that.